Hello. Hello. What's up, Dens? Hey, AT. So sometimes when I, I have this thing where when I call you Dens, because I do it a lot, I, I don't I don't know if all our listeners know your last name is Dinler, and I just I because of <laughs> Dinler, that's where I get Dins from, in case people were wondering, you know. Mm -hmm. Was was that a question that our audience was asking? I don't know. I'm trying to do some mind reading. I'm trying to do some mind reading here. Yeah. Huh. Like if I was the listener on the if I'm listening to this podcast, be like, why the fuck does he usually calling him Dins? I don't get it. You know, I might ask myself that question. So I'm really trying to put my you know, put my shoes on, on the other foot, you know? Whatever that saying is. Yeah, sounds good. Um yeah, so um, for our audience, this this is a a very exciting episode. I know for me, Adam, I I think you're also intrigued. So excited, so excited right now. Yeah. Yep. So uh, our guest actually is 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 here. Uh, has, has kind of locked Hello. in. So welcome, Aisha. Hi, how are you guys? Doing great. Thanks for coming hear? on. Of course. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're fine. You're oh. fine. Sound good. I'm glad it all worked out, you know? Yeah, so uh, for audience, uh, we have a, a guest uh, who's going to share her experience uh, in whatever she's comfortable in sharing. You know, we don't necessarily prep our guests in terms of what they want to share. We want to make it a affirming and comfortable space that people can be open and honest about what's going on for them, ideally to help out a listener um, and, you know, help people who are out there uh, either in the same shoes or uh, family members who are also a part of, you know, this journey, you know, with people too. Um, so, yeah, we're very, very looking forward to uh, Aisha. Like, maybe, I, I don't know, like, I, Aisha has, was at my wedding, right, Aisha? <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about that. I want to know, because I wasn't there. Why wasn't oh, I there? I was young. How long ago was that? Uh, I've been married for 10 years. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, Aisha's parents and my in-laws have, have a very strong friendship and, and long history there. And so uh, Aisha and my wife kind of know each other also, you know, through that kind of, mm -hmm. you know, setting. Um, and so knowing a little bit about Aisha and what she's kind of like put out there in terms of you know being comfortable with her recovery um for a couple of different factors like culture religion you know uh, mm -hmm. being a woman just kind of you know share her experience I was really excited to ask you and I was even more excited because you also said yes to coming on to this <laughs> I already have a question I already have a question for for Aisha yeah. how shit were you at Bob Rose's wedding I'm just wondering <laughs> on probably not because it was around family um and at that time right. they didn't really know what was going on um so at the wedding i actually was not <laughs> how shit-faced were you post-wedding that night <laughs> oh i wish i could remember anything post uh, 10 years well, ago. that says a lot that says a lot <laughs> when you can't remember it so all right <laughs> um so yeah i mean um so again, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I should, you know, you know, thank you very much. And, um, you know, for me, I, I've shared on this podcast, you know, culturally and religiously, you know, our people specifically mm -hmm. are, are, are kind of, you know, 
shame ridden with kind of family addiction, kind of alcoholism, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And it's always just behind closed doors, closed doors until something like tragic happens. And, um, you know, in our, in our community, uh, in the last, um, three or four months, there's been a few tragedies, yeah. you know, happening, you know, with young people, you know, you know, dying, uh, for any kind of given reason. And I, and I think, you know, for me, my whole thing is like, like, like what an opportunity for like the parents to just, um, openly talk about like what their child was struggling from and, and eventually, you know, losing their life because of either mental illness or a- addiction. And unfortunately, because again, there's so much shame and guilt and a lot of, you know, backbiting or stuff like that just remains a secret. And I think our people specifically, you know, suffer a, a lot more than the, what, what they need to uh, no, when there's people like Aisha who's kind of gone through it and is on the other side. And there's people like me, like treating, you know, individuals um, just so that uh, we don't lose another life. Right. It's, it's completely and utterly unnecessary. Yeah. Cause it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter what culture, what you believe in, like it can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm absolutely 100 percent agreed um the other the other part too aisha like in in kind of you know uh following your instagram you're very very open about a lot of things that kind of have Mm -hmm. gone on and and are going in your life and i think also with people with substance use issues um they kind of negate or minimize their mental health issues And, and i think you know you you've definitely put a lot of that stuff kind of out there for people to listen to and i think really learn from and and uh, and get better because of all that. And so, uh, you know, thank you very much for like, you know, being a role model mm-hmm. for a, a lot of individuals, thank both, you. you know, younger and older than you. Yeah. I, the, the reason, like I became very open about all of it, like very quickly, because when I first got clean um, and I first got sober, I learned from people that were, that they were open about their recovery and their struggles and their journeys, not the people that were just sharing all the good stuff. Um, but <laughs> also like sharing the struggle. And like, I know yeah. how important it is. Yeah. So I, I should, what I can say is whatever you're comfortable and ask, you know, sharing, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the stage is yours. Adam and I will kind of ask questions if you're okay with that and whatever you want to kind of go into either detail or answer those questions. Yeah. And then, you know, the last part of the podcast is that we have the five controversies and hope you can kind of play along with us at the end of it. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, now, do you know about the con- have you do you know about the controversies? I do not. Okay, all right, great. It's perfect then. Okay. But excited. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, so I, I should you know the floor is yours, you know, whatever you want to talk about, wherever you want to start, um uh, go for it. Okay. So I guess I'm going to share a little bit of my story. My name is Aisha. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is August 10th, 2018, so I just celebrated five years last month. Um, I did not start my journey on August 10th, 2018 of trying to get mm-hmm. clean, um, but I started using, I was like a late bloomer in the grand scheme of things with my family, my friends in high school, like everyone kind of started using before me and I was always the one that was like, no, I'm good. Like they all started smoking weed and I'm like, no, I'm straight just never wanted to and then I eventually got peer pressured into it um but to take it back a second like how I was saying before about how it doesn't discriminate I had a good upbringing in childhood like no super major traumas as a kid um but I was a very angry Mm -hmm. child and like looking from the outside 
I had a very good childhood, like grew up in a nice house, good family. My parents still together. I have my siblings. We went on vacations. We did stuff together. Um, we had the nice cars, nice house, all that. Um, but I was a very angry child for some reason, just always just not happy <laughs> throwing temper mm-hmm. tantrums. I ended up being, um, in anger management in middle school. And then we had moved when I was like about, I want to say like 13, 14 years old, right before I started high school. Um, so that was a rough transition for me as well from moving from, I was lived in Halden and then moved to Totowa. It was very like a culture shock almost. Um, mm-hmm. became very isolated because I was so different um, from everyone else in my school. So that started my isolation. And then, like I said, all my friends and everyone started using before me. And then when I finally got peer, peer pressured into it, I was like with my sister, a few friends, and they're like, just do it. Um, just do it. I was like, okay, whatever. It's my big sister. Like, um, I guess I'll do it. And then I remember we like smoked a blunt and I didn't get high because it was like the very last of it. So I was like, all right, well, let's get more. If I'm going to do it, let's do it. Um, And then from that day until I got clean, I got high every single day after that. Like it was an instant, like they say in NA and AA, like I had that very cliche aha moment um, Mm -hmm. when I first got high and it was like, I wasn't angry anymore. I could finally breathe. I was like, holy Mm. shit why well, haven't been saying no for so long like why didn't i want this how, how old were you that, that first time i was 14 13 okay. or 14 um i was already like smoking cigarettes at this point i started smoking cigarettes when i was like 12 or 13 taking them from like my mom was smoking occasionally um with her friends my uncle and then i was probably smoking half a pack to a pack a day by like in the eighth grade to my freshman year um, um. Yeah, so then I started smoking daily, um, doing cocaine at parties. Like, the town I moved to was, like, this rich white town, so everyone's, like, partying all the time, going out. Their parents letting them drink in the house and all this shit. So uh, we're doing cocaine, and then it progressed for me pretty quickly. I started doing a lot of, like, party drugs, ecstasy and coke, um, my friends would do it like here and there on the weekend, but like I was the one doing it every single weekend. Um, did it during school some days, and my life didn't become unmanageable yet at that point because I didn't really have much responsibilities. But I'm like 15 years old, stealing money from my dad so I can get e pills and coke. Uh, actually, can I, can I just jump in? Mm-hmm. Like, did your parents or siblings even notice any kind of like mood changes or behavior changes? No. Did anyone kind of confront you? No. So at this point, like I was still able to hide it. Both my parents worked full time um, yeah. and I was like in school. So it's like I didn't really see them that much. I was working as well. Um, so on top of that, like I really just didn't see them that much because mm-hmm. um, I would work after school. Um, my sister knew um, she didn't know the extent of it because like I was even stealing money from her um so i could go get coke because i wasn't making that much money i was making like minimum wage seven dollars an hour sure so then by the end of that year uh, this was my junior year now um i end up getting caught me and my sister we would like smoke weed my parents had a little balcony in their bedroom and we would go out there smoke and then after a couple months, they finally caught us. The smell came down. You know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they caught us. My parents are old school. Their immediate reaction was, all right, you were pulling you out of school. You're going overseas. <laughs> um, you're done. Pure. <laughs> you're pure all addiction. Yeah. yeah. So they, oh, God. Um, so they, my dad took us to high school, like to my school. And he's like, I'm signing them out. They're like, what's going on? He's like, they're on drugs. Da, da, da. I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe my dad just snitched on me. <laughs> so now I'm 15 years old, landed in my first rehab, me and my sister. Um, she wasn't using to the extent that I was, so she finished a lot quicker than I did because um, I tested positive for a lot more drugs than she did. So I ended up being in like a nine-month outpatient program um, that was like three to five days a week. I couldn't be in school, so I had to be homeschooled for the rest of my junior and some of my senior year. Um, and still at that point, I didn't realize like what addiction was or what it was doing to me. Like I didn't think like, oh, I'm a drug addict and I need to do something to stay sober for the rest of my life. It was kind yeah. of just like, oh, I was just smoking weed. I'm just a teenager or whatever. That's the, that's the thing, guys. That's the thing. It takes so long. From what I've seen in my own experience, it takes mm-hmm. so long for us to understand what we have. Oh, yeah. You know? oh, yeah. Especially because it, it's fun in the beginning. Like, people don't right. continue to use drugs because it's not fun. Eventually, right. of course, it doesn't become fun um, once your life is unmanageable and you have just ruined everything but it is fun in the beginning um Mm. and with a lot of drugs like opiates or my drug of choice i could go for a long time um before i hit my bottom with opiates because it's like i can still work i can go to school i can still interact with people um and that was my biggest downfall because i can go for so long um so i finished my first rehab Um, Went back to high school, finished. Um, I didn't really have much of a plan. I did originally want to go to beauty school. And my parents, again, being old school, they're like, no, like, that's not a career, (laughs) da-da-da. So after I graduated high school, I got this job at this dentist's office, um, pretended to sign up for college. And then the first day of classes, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing this. Dropped all my classes. (laughs) Uh, My parents went overseas that summer. And then I just, like, signed up for beauty school behind their back. Um, mm-hmm. So then I was just like, yeah, I'm doing this, whatever. They finally were accepting. Um, and I'm still continuing to use at this point. Like, after I graduated my outpatient program, I literally used, like, the second I got out. My friend that had graduated a few weeks before me picked me up, and we got high, like, immediately after. I remember coming home all paranoid because my mom knew I just graduated, and, like pretending to be sick and like laying in my dark room so that she doesn't talk to me and like will just leave me alone since I'm like high out of my mind. Um, and then once again, just start using every day after that. Um, even through beauty school, working at this office, um, continuing to get high, life didn't become unmanageable at this point. Um, my addiction did progress because this, this is when the opiates came into the picture and I started taking Percocets. Um, mm-hmm. Again, taking them with like no knowledge of what it is or what it could do or where it could take me. It was just like, oh, prefer- tr- I, try I, sorry, this. I like the physical dependence side of it, like the withdrawals. Like, Oh, yeah. No, I knew nothing. Yeah. Not, it wasn't until almost probably a year later from when I first started taking them that... 
I got sick because I didn't have them, but still it wasn't like clicking in my mind that whole year that I'm taking these pills every day. And if I don't, I'm going to get sick until yeah. I woke up super sick one day and I call my friend and she's like, yeah, you're withdrawing. I was like, what mm-hmm. do you mean? She's like, did you take any perks today? I'm like, no, she's like, take one and let me know how you feel in an hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's when it kind of clicked and I'm like, oh shit. Okay. What am I going to do? And I was like, all right, let me just go cop more. Um, and with that, with time progressed, it started with like the little 10 milligram Tylenol ones. Then it went up to the 15s. And like every time um, I would need more, like I would try to justify in my mind, like, okay, I'm only going to do half. Um, I'm going to split this one this time. I'm only going to get high this many times to try and like not be as much of an addict. I don't know what logic I had behind it. Um, well, but it I, sounds like control, right? Yeah. I'm still controlling it. It's not controlling me. Yep, I tried and it never worked like any little time frame or anything that I would put it never worked because once I had it in me I just needed more Um, and eventually it got to like the blues the 30s and that's when things like really started going downhill Um, when I was like 21 or 22 I can't remember I like left my home Um, and in our culture like you don't leave your home until you're married like that's it you don't live on your own you know <laughs> you don't do any of roommates. yeah and like my parents are very much like that not anymore thank god but at the time they knew I was getting high I was like stealing from them always sneaking out always lying to them and I was just sick of it and I was like I want to get high in peace like that was my state of mind mm. and like I took all my stuff left I had no plan nowhere to go I'm sleeping on a friend's couch and remember that night like when I was finally like out of the house and gone and I was like uh, staying by her we're sitting outside on the steps and like I just let out a sigh of relief Um, and was just so relieved that I can finally just get high in peace I don't have to lie anymore I don't have to live this double life Um, this makes so much sense to me right now Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, and I was just relieved like I was like finally like my time is here (laughs) Um, and again just my time has come my time has come yeah and I, I thought it was the best thing in the world like oh finally i have my freedom like little did i know the hell that i was about to enter yeah you think um, you have your freedom but you're in a self-made prison oh, you know and i still it still in that moment didn't realize like that i was addicted to drugs and that it was controlling everything around me like i thought i had full control like i'm doing what i want to do i'm independent i don't need anyone da 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 all this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a delusion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the delusion is insane. I thought I had my shit together. I, like, <laughs> got my own apartment, but, like, in the middle of Passaic in the hood next to the 24-hour McDonald's. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, worst awesome. spot. Oh, my God. Awesome, not awesome. Yeah, yeah, so that was, like, a whole nother. I had, like, so many phases in my addiction. <laughs> um, but from there, like, it progressed started taking more daily i'm messing up at work i don't have a car anymore because my parents took it back um taking the bus to work every day always looking a mess i'm sick my paycheck the second i got it it's gone i'm like trying to sell drugs on the side doing what i have to do to get money um got really big into credit card scamming like when venmo cash app and all those things like first came out years ago 
um, before it had any type of like security or you didn't used to have to like scan the ID or anything like you just punch in a number it doesn't matter whose name is on it as mm-hmm, long as yeah. the security code was right you can use it um, so for a good about another two years I really didn't really have to wor- worry about money because I worked at this dentist office where people were handing me their credit cards every day and I knew mm-hmm. I knew who had money um, so that was my scheme for a while. And as great as it was, it got me deeper and deeper, deeper to my addiction because it was, I didn't have to struggle. It was like, okay, why would I stop if I have all this money? I'm still working. I'm doing what I got to do. Like just in that delusion um, mm-hmm. until like it was over and then they stepped up their security and then my card got put on hold because I'm using my name with my account on it. <laughs> um, and then eventually the, office that I worked at I was there for eight years on and off and like she knew I was getting high and she would fire me and then she'd be like okay are you good now a couple of weeks later are you clean and I'd lie I'm like yeah, yeah I'm good let me come back and then just the back and forth back and forth until um one day it was actually right after my birthday I came in like four hours late or something because I was so messed up from the night before um and she's like I need the key and she's like this she's like can't do this anymore and like it was like I knew it was like officially over in that moment like she was not giving me another chance and that's when it started like really hitting me and I'm like oh shit like now what am I gonna do all I knew for the last like eight years was that office working with her like I didn't um I didn't know what direction to go I didn't have that guaranteed paycheck anymore Um, So from there, again, addiction progressed. Now, at this point, I still don't know what fentanyl is. All I hear is I knew someone who had fake pills and they're like, hey, this is fentanyl. They're like, it's cheaper, but it's stronger. And like, don't I, again, does nothing clicks in my head. I was like, oh, perfect. Stronger and cheaper. Give me 20. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and not realizing like I was so detached from reality and the world around me like I did not realize there was a fentanyl and opiate opioid epidemic going on like right amongst me <laughs> that everyone's wow. dying from this like all I heard was stronger and cheaper and I didn't <laughs> want to know anything else because um, again just like living in that delusion um, the first time though oh I missed the, my first overdose Um, I was still doing blues. Someone sold me fake blues who I like trusted and, you know, would never do that to me. Um, Uh, For the uh, normies out there, what are blues? Oh, um, Roxy's like Percocet 30s, little, little blue pills. Um, Roxy's, yeah. Yeah. So I remember being at work one day and. I had a few or something and I was like, do I take a whole one or say only take half? So I'm not sick and then get more messed up later. I was like, right, let me just take half and like, thank God by the grace of God, I only took that half because it was fentanyl that I was taking for the first time. And I fell out right in the bathroom at work. Yeah. Yeah. I fell out for hours. I was there alone. Like, thankfully I did wake up. Um, but my immediate reaction was like, I called my dealer. I was like, Oh, what the fuck was that? Da, da, da. And that's when he told me, it's like, Oh, it was fentanyl. It's cheaper, stronger. Da, da, da. And like, it didn't even just, fa- it didn't phase me that I had just fell out for hours at work. I asked him for more. I was like, awesome. I need this. I know, I know I need to take just a little less now. 
um, and then continued using that. Yeah. Um, from there, I lost the job. I lost the apartment. I became homeless. I was, like, staying on people's couches. Um, I'd be getting high in New York City a lot, in, like, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan. I'd be on the train and the subway stations just going in circles around the city, um, either trying to rob people, do anything to get money. Um, and it was just living in this hell. Like, every day was a death mission. Like, I woke up and it all that was on my mind is like how am I gonna get that next bag like I wasn't thinking of my family and myself like this whole clientele I had built doing hair and like not to toot my own horn but like I was really good (laughs) Mm -hmm. um built this whole clientele and that like just all slipped away um and I'd sit there like be hard on myself have this pity party but I didn't know a solution Um, I would try to get clean on my own. I'd be able to detox for a few days, maybe a few weeks at a time. But again, like I had no solution. I didn't know. I didn't know what NA and AA was or like what it entailed. Like I've heard of like AA meetings and movies, but it's so different than like what it actually is, the 12 steps. Um, And I thought I hit my bottom at this point because like I'm smoking crack, doing heroin, fentanyl. Um, I had lost everything at this point. So I reached out to my parents and I was like, uh, can I please come home? And it's like years later at this point um, yeah. from when I left. <clears throat> they, I hadn't talked to them. They didn't know where I was. Um, I had like no contact with my entire family, almost like my siblings a little bit here and there. Um, just like making sure I was alive. Um, and they're like, all right, you can come home. Like you have to be clean and then you can come home. So I like detox myself. And it would take me, like, weeks to detox because I didn't even know how to properly use, like, Suboxone or any detox medication. Um, And I come home. My family is, like, ecstatic. I'm finally back. Okay. My head, it's like, all right, I'm clean. Like, this is it. I'm going to just start working again. Da-da-da. Like, I think life is just going to be normal at this point. Like, no idea. (laughs) No idea what was about to happen. And the next day, I'm not employed. So I'm like sitting at home, I'm bored, it's the summer. I start going through my mom's medicine cabinet. What else would I do? Mm. And she had been in a car accident um, a couple months prior. And she doesn't like taking pills or anything. So there was two full bottles of Percocets and Xanax. Like, ooh. And like this is, I had like maybe three weeks clean at this point. And that was the longest I've had like ever. (laughs) Other than when I was in... um, that outpatient program so I took one of each and I was like all right I'm just gonna do this once and that's it like not gonna touch them again I'm good you know just one time and I did them that night and the next day I was like okay hmm, I'm bored again like let's see how many are in the bottle and how many she'll notice if they're gone Uh and then now at this point I'm writing out a whole schedule of okay, if I get high every other day, only at night, I won't withdraw, but I can still get high, trying to come up with this whole plan um, to be able to get high responsibly. Um, Because at this point, I just took both bottles. I was like, she's not going to, she's not going to look for these anytime soon, at least. And then I can deal with that in the future. And then like two, three days, they were all gone. And here I am again, hitting up all my dealers, trying to get 
I have no car, so I'm, like, trying to get people delivered to me, and I'm, like, like not near the hood anymore. So I'm going on mm. these missions, trying to get my brother to let me borrow his car. I don't even have a license. Lying to him, like, oh, I need to go to the beauty supply because I have a client, um, and I need to go get some stuff. And then um, they're speeding into Patterson and Pasek, trying to cop, pop my brother's tire one time. <laughs> <laughs> A mess. And then, like, lying to him about it and, like, so quickly right back into that delusion and that madness and that sickness. Excuse me. Um, And then from there, again, it was another six months, about another six to nine months of getting high again, like, started doing fentanyl right away, smoking crack. Um, And that last six months was probably the worst because... I started working again. I was living at home, so I didn't have to worry about, like, paying rent or food or anything like that. My parents were, like, still very much in denial. And, like, they knew I was sneaking out and taking their car every night. But I was coming home. And, like, they were so scared I was going to leave again. It was, like, out of sight, out of mind. As long as I come home. Not that they didn't care what I was doing. But, like, they were afraid if they said something, I was just going to leave again. And they'd rather yeah. at least me coming home every night. You, know? you kind of held them hostage at that yeah. point, right? Knowing the fact that you yeah. know, as long as you're here in their home, there's certain kind of like accountability or safety. And so mm-hmm. we'll deal with you with the other stuff. Yeah, exactly. And they actually address it. I think like one time my mom actually like saw me high, but at this point, like it had been so many times and like me getting in trouble and them finding drugs in the house or in the car, like my car reeked. I'd like smoking it in the morning and then nighttime if my dad wanted to take it and be like, oh, you're smoking the car. I'm like, uh, no, hmm. um, but like it completely smelled. Um, but again, unfortunately, due to the fear, they just wouldn't say anything. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't leave, but it, to me, it had just gotten to the point where I was just done. I was like, I don't want to move. I can't keep going on like this. Like, this is so miserable. Every single day, it's just like this mission. And the missions I would go on, I'm not going to even get into that. <laughs> um, the lengths I would go to get the high. Plotting, or, the plotting, the oh, No, I'm on too well. You yeah. have no idea. Um, the lying to my family manipulating them stealing from my mom and like she knows damn well I took the $20 from her wallet Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting there fighting her tooth and nail no I didn't da 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 blah 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 Um, tell me the serial number on on the 20 mom (laughs) um, I had gotten to the point where like I was suicidal I have experienced suicidal thoughts I never had like a I guess I don't want to say didn't have a plan. Overdose was always my plan, but I didn't say like, hey, okay, I'm going to do it on this day at this time or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was at that point mentally where it was just like, I can't go on. I didn't think there was a solution because every time I did detox myself and like, quote unquote, get clean, um, Mm -hmm. I'd only stay clean for like two, three weeks at max until I relapsed again because I was so uncomfortable in my skin. So I did attempt, I like overtook a bunch of drugs. It was like Xanax, fentanyl, heroin, bunch of stuff. Um, I was at home. My brother was home upstairs. My parents were like at a wedding. Um, And then I fell out right in the middle of my kitchen. I don't remember like what time it was or what was going on. (laughs) Um, But my parents came home, saw me on the floor. They like got me awake, thankfully. 
uh, they unfortunately had to experience that, like seeing me um, out on the floor. Mm. Uh, my dad got me awake. They like put me into bed. And then I woke up the next morning just like so angry. Like that was the first thing that I felt like I was just angry. I was like, why am I still alive? Like, why am I awake? Where like I was confused as to like where I was and what had happened. But I just knew that like I did not want to still be alive. And then my parents are like, you need to get help. Like, as soon as I woke up, they were home, like, waiting for me to wake up. And they're like, you need to get help. You can't stay here like this. Da-da-da. My best friend had just gone to treatment in Florida. um, And it was great for her. Like, she was doing well. She's like, you have to go in Florida. Da-da-da. She was telling me a, a little bit about recovery as well. And I was like, all right. But for me, it was just another escape plan. Like, I would have gone to treatment in Jersey, but I, like, I wanted to be sent away. So I'm telling my parents, like, I'll only get help if um, you send me here, da-da-da. And it was, like, just to get me away um, with their help, you know? Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have any intent on on staying clean. I didn't know what to expect. I just wanted to get away because, you know, I thought they were the problem. It wasn't me. Mm -hmm. So they send me away. Um... They're actually, like, happy at this point where it's, like, all right, cool, I'm finally getting help. Never did, like, an inpatient detox and 30-day treatment or anything like that. I did a 45-day inpatient at a facility down here in Florida. And it was, like, fun for me. (laughs) It was, like, this popular facility. Um, There was about, like, 40 of us. Um, And it wasn't really, like, we learned a little bit about recovery, but, like, none of us took it seriously. It's, like... We were in sunny South Florida. They take us to the beach. Um, it's like the same groups over and over again, not really learning much. Because um, it's treatment. Treatment's not recovery. Like, down the road, I learned how different those two are. Um, but at the time, it was like, all right, I'm not dope sick. I'm housed, fed, I'm chilling. Like, all right, like, life's good. I, I, I wasn't mad at it. <laughs> um but they always tell you when you go into treatment, like, stay to yourself. Don't get into relationships and your romances. Nothing like that. I didn't yeah. listen. Um, yeah. And about a month after getting out of inpatient, I continued to do outpatient. I didn't want to go back. I went back home for, like, five days. And I was like, I don't want to stay here. Send me back to Florida. I went back to Florida and did an outpatient program. Only lasted about, I relapsed on my 90 days. Um mm right after my parents had come visit me for like a family weekend they were super proud of me all happy my dad gave me some money literally the next day um i asked them for like an overnight pass because i was living in sober living and i was like Mm -hmm. i get an overnight pass um me and a friend go to miami downtown miami and next we were smoking crack literally within the hour um of being down there and we knew like in our heart that's what we were going to do like we knew it wasn't gonna be like oh let's just go to the beach and da 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 and whatever down in miami um immediately immediately relapsed but um that relapse really showed me like that i did want to be sober like that getting high that last time was like the most i don't even know what word to use it was such a mind fog (laughs) (laughs) because like i'm literally i'm smoking crack but like i took that first hit and i was like oh shit like i don't want to do this anymore i was like i'm Mm. done um and that was on august 10th 2018 and from there 
it was a traumatic experience. I was like held hostage in this Airbnb by some very dangerous people. Mm. Um, in Miami? Yeah, it was in Overtown. That it's like the hood of Miami. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They call it tent city because it's like fifty percent of the population is homeless. Yeah. Um, but I was able to get out. Someone from the outpatient I was at was able to like pick me up. Whatever, I made it out, and then I was like, okay, like now I want to take this seriously because before I was going to meetings, but I wasn't listening. I was like just like getting cute, doing my hair and makeup to go see people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't listening. I Bump didn't get AA. a sponsor. Yeah, literally, it was like a fashion show. I didn't get a sponsor. I wasn't doing the step work. Um, I wasn't doing any work on myself. It was just like so okay, fucked up how we all do. Uh, we all do similar, such similar stuff. You know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm listening to you. I'm like, yup, yup. That ego, yep. man. Um, yeah. But a seed was planted. Even though I wasn't really, I wasn't fully into it, a seed was planted because when I would go, like, it's the same people going to these meetings all the time and they're happy and they go out and they have fun and they're actually clean. (laughs) Um, So I went back. I finally got a, um, I actually got a sponsor, started doing step work. I was, like, taking my recovery seriously, um, taking commitments, um, actually mm. participating in the program, not just going and sitting in the back corner and leaving right before, uh, right before the meeting's over, so I don't have to talk to anyone. Mm. So once I started like actually participating and doing stuff, like my life actually got better. I did go to rehab again. I did another thirty uh, day inpatient from when I relapsed. Um, as soon as I got out, I got a job at another dentist office down here. Um, I was in the outpatient program for a little bit. I didn't have insurance, which I thank God every day that I didn't have insurance. Um, I don't know if you guys heard have heard of the Florida Shuffle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Florida Shuffle. I was like right in the middle I was, of that. I, was just, I don't know if you know, but I was just down there for treatment pretty recently. Uh-huh. And, um, and that's all I heard. Everyone just telling me, Adam, just don't get stuck down yeah. there. Not yeah. really. Where'd you go, if you don't mind me asking? Um, it's actually a new program, a newer program. Like it just opened up within the past few months. It's Palm Beach Gardens Recovery. Oh, nice. That's not far from me, actually. Yeah. Nice. So, but yeah, yeah. The, the Florida Shuffle is very real. I've seen so, 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 so many people experience it. And after I had about nine months clean, I actually started working in treatment as a tech um, at the treatment center that I had went to. What's the um, name? Can I ask you what it what, what's the name of the treatment center? Yeah, I went to Amethyst Recovery Center yeah. in Port St. Lucie. Yeah. So I went there, started working there. Um, I felt like very fulfilled. I was helping people and participating mm-hmm. in recovery. Um, when I relapsed that second that second time in Florida, um, right after my parents had come, they had cut me off they were done they're like good luck like you're on your own they weren't talking to me um they were just done fed up they had like just paid out of pocket for me to do all this treatment came to visit me and then there i go and it was like a slap in the slap in the face to them Mm -hmm. um they had reached their breaking point i was actually like clean and working a program so like i understood i didn't resent them for it i was like i get it like for the last yeah. 15 plus years, it was all empty and broken promises. Um, 
when the time is right, they will come around. Um, and it was about a year. I was almost a year clean. I like did a surprise visit at home. They were very happy to see me. Um, and I'll never forget my parents were like, we see a difference this time. Like I'm not just hearing all this good stuff that I can tell them um, and it not be true. They're like we actually see a difference. Like I was paying my own rent, my own bills, everything, taking care of myself, um, awesome. doing what I had to do. Yeah. And like life was like getting really good. Um, I moved up in treatment. I started doing like, like alumni and marketing. So I was super involved, um, yeah. still in my NA program, going to meetings almost every day. I was H&I secretary, that's hospitals and institutions, bringing meetings into everywhere, speaking yeah. at different facilities. Um, what else? I, I was doing a lot. I was secretary of my home group, um, different well, events. involved. Yeah. Yeah. And then even with my job, I ended up doing some groups. I was doing some marketing. I did a lot there. Um, very involved. My phone was constant ringing with different clients, patients, um, always something needing something. And eventually, I want to say like a year and a half into it, it became too much. Like I made myself entirely too available to everyone um, at all times. I didn't know how to say no. Like at this point, I just made myself I was just so busy I wasn't actually working on myself anymore I was just doing the things I was like oh I was told to do this and um that and da 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 this that and the third but I didn't know how to say no like I thought well I owe <laughs> NA this or this person that and they did this for me so I need to hey, do sir. that for them um hey, sure. can, can I ask was there a part of you that thought that your job was helping you stay clean or like oh, was yeah. part of your recovery, you yeah. know? It's, it became my entire life. Yeah. When I, yeah. I was devastated when I left that job because it yeah. had like become my identity. I was alumni. Yeah. So I was like the face of the facility. Yeah. Um, and we're a pretty big faci facility and I was doing alumni meetings every week. Every single patient that came through that facility had my phone number. Yeah. And we would it's see, so important. It's so important. Like for people, that are in recovery that work in the field to like keep their recovery like separate you know, yeah. you know so important and that's what everyone warned me in the beginning it's like keep mm -hmm. recovery separate treatment's not your recovery da 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 and i was like no i know da 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 whatever and i was able to for a good like year and a half but like i had just taken on way too many responsibilities and like so many people had my number at that point and it like just yeah came too much i started resenting it because of that i stopped going to meetings as much i like dropped my h and i commitment and slowly but surely like i dropped all my commitments um and i, I stopped going to na i'm gonna be honest um yeah. for a while there i did stop going because i'm human for one um two i had gotten to this idea that I just wanted to be normal because I had some normal friends people not in recovery um for my dentist office job and like just meeting random people different clients um mm. and I just wanted to be normal and I'm just like I don't want to go to meetings every day anymore like fuck this fucking a fuck those people <laughs> um and began to resent it because I was like well why is no one reaching out to me like why I 
I never asked to be the strong woman in recovery that everybody can rely on. Like I, I didn't ask for that. Like it just happened. Um, and it built a lot of resentment and like, I didn't want to go anymore. And I would make up these excuses like, Oh, I don't need to go to my home group because of this or that, or I'm tired. I went yesterday, so I won't go today. Um, and it was just that excuses. But as soon as I stopped going and doing all those things, like I noticed immediately my mood change. Like it wasn't, I wasn't just relieved like, Oh, I don't have to do all this stuff anymore. Like I, would get angry a lot quicker. Um, I was isolating a lot more. I wasn't seeing my friends. I wasn't going out. I'd always be home alone. Um, and like slowly slipping back into those old behaviors. Yeah. Um, and it happened quickly. It was like, it was scary, honestly. Um, but yeah. for a few months there, like I did fall back into that. I do struggle with depression as well. Um, and I love to isolate. I started working from home. So I was like almost never leaving my house. Mm. Um, but it got to the point where like I am in therapy so I do, I do see a therapist um, I did start going back to meetings again with the sponsor working the steps again um, again immediately as soon as I start doing all that stuff like right away my mood gets better my life gets better <laughs> um, <laughs> it makes me so mad sometimes because like it's like fuck why does this have to work so well <laughs> Right, <laughs> but it does every time. Um, they know what they're talking about. They do. I was just, I was just <laughs> complaining at a meeting like a little, like a couple hours ago. I was com- I was kind of complaining about like I have to like for me I need to do everything that freaking tw- you know the NA offers. Like I need to meditate. I need to go to a meeting. I need to talk to another addict. I need to you know call my sponsor and blah 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 pray and you know. <laughs> There's like a whole list of shit that I need to do to be okay, you know? It's not easy, but it works. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I always say for people like not in recovery or still like learning about addiction um, or getting clean. Like it's very simple. It's a very, very simple program. We're just complicated people that like to complicate it. Um, And I've learned like with me, going so hard in NA and then like completely stopping and going back. Like I've learned I am the type of person because everyone's recovery is different. Like everyone, I had a very black and white experience where when I didn't work a program, I sucked as a person and I was miserable. But when I worked a program, my life was great. I was happy. Um, did I still struggle with certain things? Yeah. Like I'm still human. Um, but my life is tremendously better when I work a program and that's the kind of addict I am. Like I need to be all in um, if I want to continue to live my life the way I'm living my life. Cause like when I'm not working a program, I'm just not a happy person. Um, but that's not everyone's experience. I know some people that don't have to go to meetings or work with a sponsor, um, but they're clean, sober and like living their best life. It's just not for them. I know other right. people where meetings trigger them and it just, it just, it doesn't help them and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always say like, at least just give it a chance. You're not going to lose anything um, mm-hmm. trying to work a program of recovery ever. Like the amount of stuff you learn about yourself doing the steps. Like I had a yeah. spiritual awake- spiritual awakening with each step. Um, you use the guys. Yeah. Yeah. All 70 questions for step one. Yeah. You know, I'm in um, the un- the ha- I'm halfway through the unmanageability section. Yeah. It's 
it's a lot of work, but it's so worth it. And like, do I'm going through my second round now. And like, yeah. I still have my notebook for my first one and like going back and reading and like my <laughs> journals from when I was in detox, like, it's so yeah. crazy to see how far you've come. Yeah. Uh, and it's a nice reminder. Um, yeah, you know, like yeah we don't really see it in ourselves a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Other people see the improvement in our in us before we do, you know. So oh, it is good to be able to reflect. Um, I was gonna mention that as well. Like even with my family, friends, and people, like they would always say, like, "Oh, like you seem a lot happier, this or that." And like I never noticed it because it was like little by little daily. Um, but I remember one night specifically, I was like managing a halfway house. Um, I stayed in halfway until I had like a little over two years sober um, as I was managing. But I remember one night I laid down and I'm about to go to sleep. And I was like, I'm happy. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> it, like it felt so unfamiliar, but it was so, like so nice to be able to just sit there with myself. And, like, feel okay. Because for such a long time, like, I could not do that. I was so uncomfortable in my skin. Um, Because addiction isn't our problem. That's a a huge misconception everyone has about addiction. Drugs were our solution. Our problem is us. (laughs) Because you take away the drugs, like, the problem is still there. Right. (laughs) And it wasn't until, like, I accepted that and, like, step one, I wish I want to like rewrite the steps for normal people <laughs> because I think everybody can use them because, for like, sure the, the first step is the only one about addiction per se like the rest it's all about like our resentments our um, character defects or morals um, our inventories you know and that's like for the everyday person it's not um, just addicts but I'm grateful that we have AA and NA and all these different fellowships um, because I can't imagine what my life would be like now if I never found NA. That's, uh, that, that's beautiful. I, I and, and thank you so much for being, you know, so trans, um, and, and kind of, you know, sharing your story. Do you like for the listeners out there? And mm-hmm. again, you know, our listeners are, are a mix of people, you know, in recovery, you know, uh, family members, you know, friends uh, of people of either like active addicts or, or people mm-hmm. in some stage of recovery. Any advice that you have, you know, for, for someone, um, anything that kind of would help? For someone trying to get clean, just give yourself a chance. Like before I ever tried to get, I didn't think I could get clean. Like I didn't think that I could turn my life around and like not want to get high every day because of how much I obsessed over it but it what listen to the people that came before you no matter how much it doesn't make sense no matter how much you don't want to do it no matter how much you think it's not going to help just listen to the people that came before you the people in meetings your sponsors the step work the literature read the literature um but listen because our own thinking got us to where we are we're, we're not going to think ourselves out of addiction. It's just not going to happen. It's been proven time and time and time again. And it wasn't until I actually listened to other people about chairing meetings and taking the commitments and doing the things I didn't want to do and doing things for people without expecting anything in return um, mm. until I wasn't self-centered and selfish. And, like, everything's not about me. Um, mm-hmm. But 
just listening to those who came before you and who have experienced all these things like nothing you have gone through hasn't been done before if it's if it has a name it's been done before, it's all been done before. Like, it's i used to always think like oh i was the only one i've experienced a lot of trauma in my life um from physical abuse sexual abuse um emotional abuse a um, bunch of different incidents and i always thought it was alone and then my first day in treatment i remember this lady came and shared her story and our stories were almost identical and i was like holy shit like i'm not the only one and then yeah. like, you go to meetings hear other people share um sharing their stories or wherever they're at in your recovery and like you're not the only one we're not that special <laughs> um so yeah just remember that if it does have a name, it's been done before. You're not alone. There is support out there, and there is a solution. Yeah. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Hey, Aisha. Thank you. Like literally, like, literally, I related to like 80% of your story from like not being able to walk through what? the doors of cough taken off to go use mm-hmm. and taking like going MIA, like running away from my family and everyone mm-hmm. loves me in the streets, you know, mm-hmm. um, just one thing after another, the overdoses, the freaking crack, the, you know, just mm-hmm. everything like so much there, you know? And, um, just, it's so, it's like, it's just like, that's what makes like recovery so great for mm-hmm. like us. Like I can, you know, I can hear you and just like get that. Like, you know what I went through. I yeah. know what you went through. Like, we get it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's great. It's yeah, like, great. even I live in Florida now. I've stayed since I've come down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every time I, I visit Jersey pretty often, and like, I have a little NA family there where I go to the mm-hmm. same meetings every time I go. And like, mm-hmm. no matter where I am with Zoom now, thankfully, like, one good thing that came uh-huh. out of COVID, there's a meeting. You have access to a meeting any time of the day, whenever you want. Yeah. yeah. Great point. Mm-hmm. I know. That's like the great thing that came out of COVID was 24-7. Yeah. You can go on meeting. That's like the yeah. one the one possible thing any, that came out. Anywhere in the world, too. It's awesome. Like, I love doing meetings out of country. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. No, it's great. Um no, I mean, th- you know, thank you so much. I mean, I I, I greatly yeah, appreciate, you know, you, you you doing this. And again, you know, a lot for me, a lot of you know, selfish reasons. You know, culture and religion are you know are, are very similar, and so I wanted to kind of hear your context about you know how this all kind of transpired. Because again, it, it's not uncommon, right? Yeah. Uh, it's an unbiased uh, you know disease, and, and it can grab a hold of anyone anytime. Um, yeah. I just want to kind of you know have mm-hmm. you be, you know. Uh, you know, the person to kind of you know speak about that, and I, and I think it's you know very very powerful message. Yeah, you did a really nice job. Very well spoken too. Thank you. Um, and I do want to say as well, like for people that are afraid to ask for help, because um, for a long time, like I was afraid, like due to the culture, my family, even me deciding to stay in Florida um, after I got out of treatment again, like against my parents' wishes, because they were like, no, like come back home, your family's here, da da da. They didn't understand, but, like, I knew what was going to be best for me. Um, yeah. But... So, if I, um, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, But don't, like, being afraid to ask for help, like, you're... It's just, like, a death wish. Because you're, you're yeah. not going to get it on your own. Like, we need each other. 
And until I accepted that as well, that like, I have to ask for help. I can't do everything on my own. Um, it got so much easier because like, like I said before, there are people that have been through it and have experienced all the same exact things and have solutions, have advice that you can give you. Like you don't, even though we may be able to do this alone, like we don't have to do it alone. Like you said, like related to so much of my story and like, we couldn't be any more opposite opposite of each other like you never know who you're going to connect with at a meeting there's been so many times where it's like the random old white guy that shared and i'm like damn like i feel you Um, because it's about the feelings it's not you know yeah very good should we um should we transition Uh, i want to just uh maybe i don't know I I, I, mm-hmm. I I know like in following your Instagram and your your beautician yes up is really doing excellent. Do you want to like put it out there to the universe about like what your uh. Instagram is and your your business down in Florida? Oh yeah, so I was a cosmetologist for the past thirteen years. I was doing uh, focusing on hair. Um, this last year, I got licensed to be an esthetician, so a skincare specialist, and. I actually just opened up my own private suite here in Port St. Lucie to start taking clients. Um, Super excited for this transition. It is going to be very different from what I've done um, in the past, but I've always had like a passion for skincare and have like worked with some aesthetic services. So I'm super excited to be on this journey. I actually have my first client this this Saturday um, at the suite. Yeah, so... I'm doing it, like, kind of part-time now just until I can, like, build a full clientele and be able to rely just on that. Um, But I'm doing that um, part-time, and I'm really excited to see it grow. What's your – can someone find you on uh, IG for the the business? Yes. So it's my – it's, like, my personal and business. I have it all together. It's Aisha, A-Y-S-E, underscore – excuse me, underscore aesthetics. So a nickname of mine is Ace because most people can't pronounce my name. Um, <laughs> I was gonna ask you that. I'm yeah. like, what do the Americans call you? Oh yeah, so it's either Aisha, Aisha, or Ace. Yep. I'll spend like, an hour. The an hour. The strangest thing is that people that see my name like for the first time or try to guess it, the name I get the most is Elise. When there's no <laughs> L, and I just don't understand. <laughs> That's wild. That's awesome. Wow. Mm-hmm. Th- things things that Adam doesn't know when you have a uh, a foreign name. Yeah, right. I, I was trying to say I, I practiced her name for quite a bit prior <laughs> to the recording. So. I used to care, but however anyone can pronounce it, go for it. <laughs> They'll take it. Um, so yeah, Aisha, so we're going to transition to, uh, the segment, you know, which is called five controversies. Adam, do you want to do, uh, the transition music? All right, sweet. All right. So. It's funnier every time. <laughs> when I listen to it, I'm like, it's the funniest part about the podcast. So. So I said this part of the the the, the show um, is you know we call it the five controversies. So I mm-hmm. throw out two different opposing things or items or whatever, mm-hmm. and we kind of battle it out. And so since you're our uh, guest of honor, 
you'll go first. Adam over there will go second, and then I'll up the rear on third, and we'll come back. I remember you. I remember now. Now the you know the history behind this is that he sucks at picking like freaking good ones. You know, he <laughs> just watches at it. So I give him shit, but last week got a little bit better. I don't know how much help he got from, you know, from, from people. Um, and he said he was saving a special one. He said he was saving a special one for this week for whatever. Freaking yeah. I'm but not... whatever. Let's, no. let's go at it. All right. So I know in my home, we battle it out between me and my partner. And I know, I think most homes have, or most people have a, a choice or a preference. So Aisha, would you prefer to do the dishes or laundry? Ooh, dishes all day. What? I hate doing laundry. My God. I'd rather like wash dishes versus use a dishwasher as well. <laughs> it's like double the work for the dishwasher. It makes no sense to me, but uh, <laughs> definitely dishes. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. You're a laundry okay. guy? We, well, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hold. Them. Hey, hey, hey! We'll get to them. We'll get to them. Come on, Adam. <laughs> so you're gonna hate me. Always do. <laughs> no. So I enjoy both. They're both like a form of meditation for me. Like staying, and it helps me stay in the moment. Both in tasks. Um. I'm gonna go with with washing dishes. Mm. I'm gonna go with wash, washing dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of a control thing, probably. Like, <laughs> I'm usually like living with people, and I want to make sure they're like Adam Taylor clean. You know, so it, it's up to my standard of cleanliness. Like, nothing worse is like having roommates or like community living and all that shit that you know I've been through. Like watching people, like I. In sober living, like past sober houses, I would call it, you know, a sober house wash, mm-hmm. which means you just throw it under the water with no soap, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, that was my my big joke. Oh, it's just sober housing, you know, washing. But no, I like to have control over it. So I'd, I'd go that route. However, I don't want to, you know, under underestimate the benefits I get from laundry, too. So, yeah. 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 So in my household, we, we struggle with this, but I hate doing dishes. I absolutely hate that chore. There's a lot of childhood trauma. There's a lot of adolescent trauma. My mom having a dishwasher and never putting using the dishwasher was there for like storage purposes. Like, why are you hov- like hunched over like a hunchback over the sink washing? Like, anyways, I'm going. <laughs> so I'm like, use the fucking dishwasher. And so I will put, like, I've, I've, I honestly run dishwasher probably like twice a day. Oh my God. Because I refuse to, like, have like, any dishes, like, touch my hand. Um, so, like, if we battle out, I'm like, I'll fuck, I'll do, I'll do laundry. <laughs> I'll do every piece of clothing in this damn house if I never have to touch a dish again. I, I love the whole system. <laughs> there's a there's a washer, there's a dryer, it dries everything, smells nice. All you have to do is fold it, make it nice and neat, and put it back in its proper place. Much yeah. much more preferred activity chore than dishes. Yeah. Oh, there's just so many now, steps with laundry. With dishes, you wash them and that's it. 
way. You gotta put them too often. You gotta put them dry. Then you gotta put them away. Labor. <laughs> I'm surprised by you. It's physical labor at washing dishes, especially by hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For yeah, for Asia, I'm not a big fan of physical labor, but um, and I've made that clear. Like, I need hours of notice if I'm going to do physical labor. But in that instance, like washing this body also screams no physical labor. <laughs> it's not because of the dishes. I'm going to be using them, you know. So like different. I don't know. Whatever. He's pushed paper his entire life as a professional. <laughs> We we can't. Oh, I think I have a good uh, one. <laughs> All right, so next one, uh, controversy. Dude, I never mind. I'll I'll save the story for another time. Go ahead, David. <laughs> um, and this is going to speak to a, a little bit of uh, Aisha's uh, father's uh, profession here. Mm-hmm. Aisha, do you prefer Lowe's or Home Depot? Home Depot. What's your What's your rationale? It's just the OG. <laughs> I like grew up in Home Depot with my dad. So he always preferred Home Depot over Lowe's. Her her father's a contractor. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, that makes sense. I spent many, many, many years working with my dad, like in trouble and taking me to work with him. <laughs> All right. Bye Home Depot. Um, Lowe's has horrible customer service. They don't fucking know where anything <laughs> is. Like my experience and like, I don't, because if I'm going in there, like I'm lost anyways, I'm a lost freaking puppy in that world. So like, I need help. Like bring me to the item. <laughs> no, like I, I'm not going to be able to find it. There's so much shit in there, those stores. So I go Home Depot and I have a much better like customer service experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I've I've shopped at both. Aesthetically, Lowe's presents yes. better. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I've done a lot more shopping at Home Depot, as Adam kind of mentioned, finding things on my own is more beneficial. Um, <laughs> Home Depot. Um, so I would definitely lead uh, lean more to Home Depot than I would uh, Lowe's. Okay. So yeah, yeah, I think all right. we're, all, we're all in agreement to that one. I think Home Depot won won that. So for the yeah. audience, you know, actually, we, we we encourage people to fight it at at home or in their cars or whatever. Ooh, whenever. I have to so, tell my siblings to watch. Uh, yeah, you're you're, you're <laughs> definitely helping people. Um. So next one's in, in the same kind of realm of uh retail. And this <laughs> is like passionate. Ooh. Walmart versus Target. Target. If, if Walmart was still 24-7, I would have chose Walmart. But since it's not, Target's better. <laughs> That's a good point. Because mm-hmm. Walmart here by me, like in Florida, is different than it is up north. Like yeah, Walmart up north is like ghetto. Here in Florida, yeah. it's like everyone's everyday shopping. We Start basically, yeah, there, were, there were so many at the sober living part I was at in oh, Florida. Yeah. Like, there were people fighting about, like, we need to go to Walmart. Oh, yeah, like, it's like Walmart. a thing. It's instead so of, what's that of a Publix? Instead of Publix? Yeah. Yeah, it was, like, Publix or Walmart, mm-hmm. and people were, like, hardcore about Walmart. Yeah, I'm, down a, I'm a Winn-Dixie gal. Ah, classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Adam? Yep, I'm going Tarja. Yeah. Yeah. And all day. only be 
only because and whatever and you know you can think whatever when i say this but i think it's just like comes off cooler by our society that you go to target you go to walmart like we say walmart around here and you know for us like in this area Mm-hmm. you know people look at it as kind of a get more ghetto than target Mm-hmm. I mean, target see, is much more much more appropriate acceptable you know they have place to go better quality stuff too, though, than Walmart. Yeah, yeah, I can be on board with that. Definitely. Yep. So I, I, I'm going to go Tarjay, before I you used run to, down. I have a history, I have a history with Tarjay, like part of my, I'd go to Tarjay three, four times a day and, and boost their purse, the $40 purses that they have and boost them. So, and then I can, I can get my drugs, but so I, it's kind of, even this, like I'm early in recovery still, you know, four months coming on, like in target, I have to be like, just mindful that like, that was my place where I robbed the shit out of them like every day. <laughs> Anyways, I guess I didn't need to have that add on, but anyways, go ahead, Barbaros. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, uh, you you've shared that multiple times on this. So if anyone in the higher ups of Target is listening, they have. I owe them a big amends, big financial amends. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> fi fi financial too. <laughs> I'm probably just going to donate to like their, one of their, you know, they have like some, you know, something that you can donate to or whatever. I'll probably just do that for the rest of my freaking life. See, you know what I did with the financial amends? If I, like, stole <laughs> from a corporation, I'm not paying them back. Um, right. but I would donate to, like, nonprofits and, like, donations that are going to actually help someone. Target doesn't need our donations. <laughs> Yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 Neither does Walmart. Um. Yeah. I, I think we're all on the same thing. Uh, I. I prefer Target. Um. Over Walmart. Honestly, the only times I'm usually at a Walmart is if I'm vacationing in Florida, and that's Yeah. on and they do like everything from <laughs> mhm. Mm and and food. Uh, but you, you said it right on. I learned. Many years ago, that the product quality at Walmart was just horrendous. Just yeah. you buy something in like a week, it's disintegrating. Yep. Like, you know, you put a paperclip on a bookshelf, like so. Like you're spending all this money, like constantly for just breaking down stuff. And so, like Target, you know, for me has you know better quality. And it's really not much more expensive. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. There's like a financial like commitment there, but it's really yeah, it's not nothing too significant. And Walmart actually plays this like ridiculous trick on people, thinking that it's kind of like cheaper. The on sale things, there's like ten of them in a store that has like a thousand things. So you're Yeah. usually not buying just those ten things, you're picking up things, and so your bill at the end of it when you're at the register is substantially higher because you're like the three things that you bought that was discounted or on sale. You offset by buying those other nonsense things that are Yeah. not on sale and are typically priced, anyways, elsewhere. But That's crazy. interesting practice. Uh, so yeah, Target uh, one hundo. The next one, the fourth controversy tonight, and this is actually coming from one of our listeners who uh, emailed us uh, asking for this to uh, be added. So here we go. So Aisha, when you're in traffic, are you letting someone cut in front of you? Or nope. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> You're hardcore no. Absolutely not. No, I have bad road rage. I learned to drive in New Jersey.
Um, no. <laughs> You're not cutting me off. No. <laughs> All right. Especially if we're like in traffic, you're like, no, like, mm-mm. it's not going to make you get much closer. You could wait. <laughs> do you do back cutsies? <sighs> mm, if it's in the back, I don't care. <laughs> but like, I'll ride the shoulder and then cut everyone off. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from my dad. <laughs> Wow, uh, you got some jokes there. <laughs> I actually, I, I did a bunch of times when I was working in Jersey City on uh, Route Three, trying oh, to get, get to one nine. I oh would just ride God. the shoulder mm-hmm. all the way to one nine. Yeah, especially on three. Oh God. Uh, Adam, what do you say? Yes, what say you? Yes, sir. So I'm. I acknowledge that I'm not a very good driver. Okay. <laughs> So I know I'm not. I've accepted it on a lot of different levels. And I will just let anyone go in front of me. And I don't even give a shit. I don't give a fuck. I don't how how late I am or it doesn't matter. Because like you said, too, to your point, um, there's not much time that's going to be like make a difference. Mm-hmm. So I just let, I let people go. Like I, I'm so bad with like I can be so bad at driving that. Like, if someone's beeping at me right away, I give them, like, the, I'm sorry, I mouth it, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. sign. Like, I, I know it's 90% of the time, it's my fault. So, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'm, somewhere, I'm somewhere in the middle, but I, I, I would lean, if you ask my wife this, she would say, like, I never let anyone. Tell <laughs> <laughs> her, get her on, get her on, we want her on. She's not on this. <laughs> She, she she can co-host her own podcast. Uh, no, tell, we want her on. I'm calling her right now. Get on, quick. We want the truth. <laughs> but I, I will let someone in if they're mindful and respectful that they want to kind of cut. Oh my they God. Just, you're assessing, you're assess, stop it right there. You're assessing someone's character in traffic and you're making your decision. That's ridiculous. I'm hanging up. I want to have a one-on-one connection. I oh, say, that person! Hey, oh, that person smiled. No. That person smiled to me. And, I agree and on the whole thing. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I want that humanity. Be like, hey, I'll do it for you. Just do it for me this one time. So I, I will let people in as long as you know they acknowledge my existence and I'm doing them a service. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm allowing you to. I agree with that. Be two inches in front of me. <laughs> I, I'd let you win that win that race. <laughs> All right. So, last one, fairly co- controversial. I mean, I I, I think I've heard them, uh, right. but I want I want to see what you all say. So, I show you first. But mm-hmm. jelly versus jam. Ooh, we did this one before. No, wait, no, we didn't. It's a repeat. I promise you. I'm looking now. See, I only like grape. I'm not like a strawberry jam or anything. Mm. Jelly. Jelly. Yeah. It depends. The jam, it's like, I like like my grandma's homemade jam, but most like store-bought, the texture is really funky for me. So I'm going to say jelly. Mm. And grape jelly only. Mm. Yeah, grape jelly only. I do not like strawberry. I love strawberries, but when it comes to like jelly or jam, no. Just Mm -hmm. 
Nice, nice. Adam? Yes, I'm going with grape jelly. Yeah. Um, with the texture thing with me. Mm -hmm. um, I I like the way jelly is on the peanut butter. Yeah. Like in the sandwich. I, I don't. The jam is totally different texture. Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah. It's like grainy. Although I think, although I, what did you say? It's like grainy. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good word, good adjective for that. Grainy, yeah, and it jam does seem to like spread better, like easier, but it's I don't like it. I don't like it. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm right there. Uh, honestly, if you put jam in front of me, I wouldn't know what's jam. Like, <laughs> really. Who, who's a jam? Who's a jam eater? Like all three of us, like different, mm -hmm. right? Who eats jam? Who's a jammer? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I would just know that it's not jelly. I yeah, guess exactly. Yeah. Not, if it's not yeah. jelly, I'm not eating it. <laughs> yeah. not, you're not good enough to make it to the peanut butter and jelly, you know, sandwich. Yeah, and yeah. it's paper and jelly sandwich, not people peanut butter and jam sa sandwich, right? It's weird out there. Good um, point. I was just like you all. I, I, I was a graper for a long time. And I would say, honestly, probably the last like 10 plus years, we're all strawberry, strawberry jelly. Love it. Sell the guy you, sell, sell the guy to you on that one. She may have, she, she may have, you know, did some covert operations and just, you know, snuck it in there. And I, that's about the third, that's about the third Asia. She disappeared. <gasps> oh my God. She has gone. Yeah, where'd she go? She didn't even say bye. Oh my goodness. Oh, uh, she didn't like she didn't like your your last controversy or something. Might be something you did probably. Hold yeah. on. I can maybe I try to add her again. Try to bring her back if she will. She might not want anything to do with, with you anymore. She was so yeah. offended by strawberry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's like, screw this. <laughs> All right, she's, she's texting me. I don't know what happened. Uh, so I just sent her the thing. So uh, hopefully she can jump right back on. Um, to you know, just to you know, oh, there she is. Hello. Yes. Okay. I heard, was it was I it something? Was it something that Barbara said? No, was it I something heard you guys. Honest, but you I should be honest me. program. <laughs> it was the strawberry part. She had enough. She's like, no, yeah. I'm out. This guy's a loser. <laughs> You <laughs> oh, what the heck's going on? She dropped again. No. I mean, Aisha. Can, can Am we... I saying her name right at this point? Aisha, right? Yeah, Aisha. Yep. Right. Yeah. You're back again. Um, sorry, my cat was messing with my um modem wires. <laughs> <laughs> my bad. Cats. Is it purring in your lap because it loves you? Taylor Swift, Lara. Oh, um, uh, um, Can I tell you real quick that I just, I'm so excited. October 20th at 8 p.m. I'll be seeing the Taylor Swift movie thing. Well, I'm, I'm not a Swifter. Yes. My apologies. No one cares, Adam. No one cares. doing some very special stuff out there. Uh, whatever I've heard her shows are really amazing, especially this Eras tour. So I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but thank you so much. I should thank you for participating in in this podcast. 
greatly appreciate you, you know, sharing your story and sharing your hope and resilience. I really hope the audience, you know, really resonates with it. Uh, I think your story is very common in the fact that this, this happens and it can happen. Uh, and, and there is healing. There is hope. Uh, people do get better on the other side. And you're a testament to the fact that, you know, you stay sober one day at a time. And, you know, all those things you, you may have thought you lost, you get it back, you know, tenfold. And, you know, look how successful you are, you know, uh, in, in, in Florida. And, you know, you have, you know, this blossoming esthetician uh, work. And so I, I wish you the best. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. And thank, thank you. Rachel. Thank you both for having me. I did have, have a lot of fun doing this with you guys. That's awesome. It is a good time. It is a good time, right? We're a good time. Uh, yeah, right? I'm definitely glad I did this. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I want you to put out your uh, IG once again so people can look you up and everything. Oh, yeah. So it's um, at A-Y-S-E underscore A-C-E-T-H-E-T-I-C-S. That's Aisha Aesthetics on Instagram. Her videos are awesome. If you're in Florida or traveling to Florida, look her up and she, she'll make your skin look beautiful. Yes, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Aisha. Thank you. You guys have a good night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Peace and hair grease. Hey, do we want to, um, you know, for our listeners, you can hear our podcast on Spotify, Amazon, and Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to email us at theaddictandcounselor at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, opinions, comments, whatever you want to um, talk about. We're here. And if you, if you want to share on our podcast, too, you can email us about that as well. And also, if you're listening for our Spotify listeners, feel free to comment on what you thought about our episode in the comment section on Spotify. Yep. Yep. Did Excellent. I hit everything? Did I hit everything? We uh, don't do that. Perfect. Perfect. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, thank you all for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. All right. Night. Nope. Later. Nope.